You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. What do you do when life smacks you in the face and turns your world upside down? You want to believe in the goodness of God. But what you see with your eyes is so very, very different than what you want to believe in your heart. The two don't mix. We're, we're in the week two of a three-week series on the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. And we've called it Hope in the Dark. Habakkuk's an Old Testament prophet, but he's not like the other Old Testament prophets. A lot of the other prophets in the Old Testament... They hear the word from the Lord, and then they tell it to the people. Thus saith the Lord. Here's what God says to you. Here's what God's going to do. And so the communication comes from God and goes to the people. Habakkuk doesn't do that. Habakkuk actually has reversed the order. He's actually, in essence, speaking on behalf of the people to God. It's a very different conversation, and he's speaking in many ways, to speaking to God on behalf of the people. He was a man who wanted so much to have faith, but nothing that he saw around him supported that faith. Everything around him was very different. And last week, we looked at this idea of of this question of wondering about God. Where are you, God? You just don't even seem to be here. Do you even care? And we talked about this idea that when something happens, when life hits you in the face, so to speak, that, that, that we're not to turn away from God, but we're actually to press in, to actually pursue. And the word we used was wrestle, that this wrestling with God is actually a very good thing. In fact, you can't, faith, the very definition of faith is this idea that there's a potential and the perception and the existence of a little bit of doubt. You can't have one without the other. And so the fact that you struggle is actually a good thing, but in the middle of that, we're to press in and to to not let go of God. So that was last week. Today we're going to look at this idea of waiting. Waiting on God. Here's the hard fact. Wondering about God is hard. Waiting on God is even harder. I'm not good at waiting. Um, some, I, uh, here it is. I get impatient waiting for the microwave oven. I mean, think about that. Frozen to piping hot in two minutes. And it's not fast enough for me. I mean, think about that. You know, I don't have to go out and collect sticks and build a fire and you know, try and start it and cook it. And I don't have... I literally pop it in, push a few buttons, and wait for two minutes. And I'm like... Why is this taking so long? Come on, hurry up. Don't even get me started on those drivers who insist on staying in the left lane. It's like, move over. Waiting is not something I enjoy. I find it difficult. Here's the thing is that when we face seasons of adversity and pain, we want God to act. And we want Him to act soon, don't we? And now maybe it's not today, and okay, but by the end of the week, sure. Or maybe by the end of the month, or, but we want him to act soon. And, but sometimes the answers that we want and the relief that we so desperately need, they don't come soon. And I find that it's sometimes difficult to believe in God's goodness when he doesn't always do what we want him to do. 
And that's what's going on with Habakkuk in the story. If you remember from last week, um, well, just let me reiterate from last week, Habakkuk, the Old Testament prophet, lived in the southern part of Israel. The northern region, at this point in time, Israel had split into two groups. The northern region had already been taken over by the Assyrians about 100 years prior. So all that left was the smaller region of Israel in the south. And whereas the southern region had once been the most devout of the two regions, it was the more devout, it was, it was the one that followed God the most, but it was now a sick society. It had become morally corrupt, there was unethical behavior and practices, and it became full of violence as well. And Habakkuk finds himself in a state of confusion and inner turmoil. Life is not going the way he thinks it should. The, thing, the fact that this stuff was going on around him was very troubling to him. God, if you are who you says you are, why is this stuff going on? If you are a good God, how could this stuff exist? To make matters worse, God just doesn't do anything about it. And he finds himself struggling with a lot of questions, which is what we looked at last week in chapter 1. He's really upset. And he, he lets God know this. He verbalizes his thoughts and feelings, which is okay. It's a good thing to be honest and genuine before God. But then to Habakkuk's horror, God says he is going to judge the evil people in the country. But his response wasn't what he expected. God's response was actually... And to judge the evil that's going on here, I'm going to send the Babylonians. But they're not just going to take out the evil people. They're going to take out everybody. God isn't just going to get rid of the evil in Israel. He's going to get rid of Israel. As a legal political entity, Israel ceased to exist for the next 2,500 years. Right? It was Obviously, there was a group there. Remnants remained remain part of Rome, then for the next 2,500 years, it was always part of someone else's territory. It wasn't until 1948 that Israel became an entity again. That's not the answer Habakkuk wanted to hear. God, where are you? Why haven't you done anything? Why is this going on? God answers in a way that he's, this is not anything close to what I was wanting or needing to hear from you. So God responds with that provision. And then the focus in chapter 2 picks up and it goes back to Habakkuk. And uh, in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, if I could have that on the screen. So here's Habakkuk writing again. And he says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of an end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, he is puffed up, speaking of his enemies. His desires are not upright, but the righteous will live by his faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we continue to explore um, this time of Habakkuk and his words and his struggle, may his struggle 
bring help and hope for us today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I sensed the call to, to pursue ministry uh, when I was in high school. And some of you may know that, you know, my, I was a pastor's kid. My dad was a pastor growing up. Uh, he pastored three different churches. My dad had this thing for going into churches that were dead or dying and see turnaround happen, and then he got bored. And, you know, and, and just three different times while I was growing up, this happened. Um, my dad frequently said, Sam, if you can do anything else but be a pastor, do it. You know, so there was not this sense of, hey, you got to follow in my footsteps. There was significant encouragement to go a different path. Um, but, it, but, it, but I felt that strongly, and so that was the path that I wanted to pursue. And in preparation to follow that call, I, I was part of different churches growing up. Um, in fact, uh, I don't know if, you, if some of you remember the Assemblies of God denomination. Um, one of their formal, they referred to them as general superintendents. The head over the whole denomination was Tom Trask. I think that's two, the previous one. He was my pastor, you know. And so, so there were some significant leaders that I was under. I was part of some really vibrant churches that are growing and really seeing some things happening. You know, and I went out and I got my uh, undergrad degree, a bachelor's and a master's degree, all in preparation for ministry. Uh, I learned from some of the best leaders out there. I was ready to go. I was so ready to go. I was going to be Billy Graham and Oral Roberts and all those guys combined. I was going to change the world. But then something strange happened. As I was finishing up my master's program and I'm sending out applications, which back in the day, that's what you did. You actually had to mail them. Um, I'm interviewing and talking to churches, and nothing was working out. Time after time after time, I always made the final cut. I'm one of three. I'm one of two. And it was always the other person that they went with. So at the ripe old age of 30, I find myself the unemployed father of three, living in my grandmother's mobile home in rural Minnesota. Way out in the middle of nowhere. And I couldn't figure out why. There's nothing I could point to. There's not, none, of, none of the feedback I was getting. I was saying, hey, here's your problem. Here's why. Here's, it, was, I was, nah, it was always very subjective. and all. It was just re- really difficult. And so we waited. And we waited and we waited and Days led into weeks, and weeks led into months, and months led into years. For three years, we waited. Now, I did temp jobs, and I did other things to pay the bills and the things, but, but not ministry. I wasn't not pursuing the calling which I felt God had given me. For three years, we waited for the next door to open up. As difficult and painful as that season was, and that probably was one of the most difficult seasons of our life together, uh, marriage-wise, personally, that was incredibly difficult. Probably of, of all my life, that was probably the most difficult season. But in the middle of that, I learned some things that I think are very significant, and they, they shaped my life, the rest of my life, um, as to how I look at things. And I think we see some of the same things here within the book of Habakkuk and some of the things that he talks about here in the verses we just read. So some of the things I saw in Habakkuk that I think are important for all of us when something like this happens, when life, the realities of life don't mesh 
with what we want to believe, what we want to have and hold in our faith. I think one of the things, the first thing we see in Habakkuk is this idea of listen. Listen. Too often when trouble hits, we're hurting, people do one of two things. Either run away from God. Well, if this is God, I don't want anything to do with Him. Or we tell God what we want Him to do. Now, I'm not, I don't mean in the sense that we're really bossy or, or being, you know, thing. I'm just saying, God, heal him. God, deliver him. God, deliver me. We, we have a very specific prayer and a very specific thing that we want God to do. And so that's how we pray. But notice here that that's not what Habakkuk does. Habakkuk in verse 1 says, he says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts which is the stronghold. It's the strongest fortified position of the, of the fort, of the city, of the gate. Um, it's, it's basically, he was saying, I'm going to settle in. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Habakkuk positions himself to hear from God, to see what God will do. Listening is really difficult. Sometimes when we're not getting the answers to our questions, it's because we're not willing to pause and wait long enough for God to reveal Himself. Because, again, we know what we want God to do. And so our human nature is to continue to press it. In fact, and I'm not saying it's wrong, because I think there's a lot of biblical evidence as well. It's this idea of praying with Certainty, praying with faith. And God, I'm believing you for this. And God, I'm believing you for that. And there's an appropriate time for that. I believe that. So I'm not suggesting that's wrong. I'm saying, have you actually, before you do that, have you actually taken time to listen? What is God, how is God wanting you to pray in this instance? Sometimes we jump into the living by faith and proclaiming faith and living with what we want to see God do before we actually take time to listen. Psalm 46.10, a verse most of us know, be still and know that I am God. Be still. I don't like that one. Be still, know God, and then listen. And listen to see what God might say to you. So what does God, how does God speak to us? What might He say to us? I think just reading the Bible. And let this, His Spirit bring truth to the life of the words that we read. We're reading Scripture and then something comes alive. It could be even stories we've read dozens of times before. We've heard this before. But something about this story, something about this verse at this moment speaks to me differently. And God can speak to us with that. Sometimes God speaks, through, speaks to us through our circumstances. But we have to pause and give time for reflection to think and actually learn and discern what it is we're trying, we're supposed to learn from that circumstance. Sometimes God speaks through other people. I think I share with this story, um, I don't know if you hear um, about my mom. You know, we were really struggling with Peter. Um, the, we found out we were expecting Peter, our youngest child. Not that that was a bad thing of itself, just the timing was all we were not expecting this. And it was, it was a really bad season of life. Uh, and there was other circumstances that were really hard for us to deal with. And my mom, in a conversation with her, said, this must be one special baby for God to bring him into your life at this point in time. 
huh. Nothing changed. Pete was still coming. But everything changed. Because my mom spoke words that just helped me see what God was wanting to say. Who speaks into your life? I have to I have to say sometimes I've talked to people and they're telling me about the advice they're getting from me. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. That is the dumbest thing. I don't say this, but I'm thinking this. <laughs> Who you know what I'm saying? Sometimes the advice we get from people is really bad advice. So who do you have in your life that you can trust is going to speak health and going to speak healing and speak truth to you, even if you don't want to hear it, but you know there's something of value there. But God can speak through other people, and I think God can speak directly to us. I, you know, sometimes, for me, if, if I'm processing a lot of things, and sometimes I just need to get, I just need to settle down. I, I go for a bike ride. It's amazing as I'm riding and I've, I've you know, everything. I'm just just out there exercising and riding. That all of a sudden, my things start coming to my mind. It's like, ah, oh, okay. And it just, I just, for me, I just, I just perceive that as just the Holy Spirit speaking to me because I've gotten everything out. I've got myself in a different setting and a situation, and I'm just free to hear without any other distractions and other things that might be going on. But we're talking about this. So here's how we can hear from God, this idea of listen. Sometimes, though, we listen and we don't hear anything. Has that ever happened to you? It happens to me a lot. I just want to say, it's okay. That's okay. Just because God seems to be silent doesn't mean that He's absent. Okay? Just because God is silent doesn't mean He's absent. And so you can still hold on to that. God is always present even when it doesn't feel like it. And then there's this thing that sometimes when, when we're waiting and listening and God does talk, that we don't like the response that He has. God tells Habakkuk the Babylonians are coming to clean house. That's not good news. I love the story of Paul in the New Testament. In 2 Corinthians 12, specifically, Paul is talking about, he refers to it as a thorn in the flesh. There's a lot of debate as to what that is, but there is some physical abnormality. He's he's having some physical struggle. And he says... Paul says this, he says, I asked the Lord to remove this on three different occasions. Three different times I asked God to remove this from me. And each time God said back to Paul, says, no, my grace is alone is sufficient for you. I don't know about you, but if I'm Paul, I'm thinking, uh, God, give Peter your grace. Heal me. You know what I mean? I honestly got grace is good, but let someone else have that experience. I'd much rather that you heal me. I want you to deliver me. I want you to remove this situation or circumstance from me. God, I don't I don't want your grace. I want your grace, but I don't want your grace. I want your action in this situation and what we sometimes have a hard time accepting is the fact that God says to us, is, I'm not going to give you what you want. But what I do have for you, 
I know it doesn't seem like it, but what I do have for you is even better. But we have to listen. We have to listen, we have to listen, we have to listen. So that's the first thing we see in Habakkuk. The second thing we see him is this idea of right. He wrote down certain things. In Habakkuk, the verse 2, Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. What's God saying here? We write it down on tablets so that a herald can run with it. A couple things as I'm thinking through this. One is that God is saying, What I'm about to say to you is not just for you. It's for other people. So capture it down. Capture it in writing, if you will. And he says, what I'm about to say to you is not just for here and now. Just like the milestones that we, uh, we talked about here earlier with the graduations and celebrating those, these tablets, this writing it down becomes a marker event in our life. And here's what I've discovered. Sometimes when key things like that happen, when there's something that God has either spoken to our heart or something we know, there's a, for something that um, we forget it. Or, even worse, we tend to deny its significance later on. And the reason for that is because we have a spiritual enemy who is an expert at stealing the seeds of truth that God wants to plant in your life. There was, uh, last night, I was, uh, I came across... um, Sometimes, some of my international travel, some of the things we were doing and some of the groups we were with, and just some really <laughs> crazy things. I, I, I like to journal. I have to write. I don't do this normally. This is not something I normally do, but on these circumstances, I actually try to capture some things. And I, was, I came across these last night. I was re, rereading some things about what... It's like, that's right, that's right, and that's right. And not just the incidents, but it's what God was saying to me then, what God... No one can take that away from me. Here's what I know. Sometimes when God might be speaking to my heart something, or whether, whether I'm listening to someone talk, or whether I'm reading something, but God has made something come alive in my heart, my spirit, it's not too much longer where the thoughts begin to enter. Oh, that's not God, that's just you. Uh, you're, that's just wishful thinking. You're, you're just—that's not really God, and that's that spiritual enemy we're talking about, who's pulling up the seeds that God has planted. But when we can write it down, and it may just be a little note card that we tape to our bathroom mirror, or something that just says, "On this date, here's what God said. Here's the verse that came alive for me." So that when those doubts come later, we can say, "No, no, no, no. I understand what you're saying, but look it." Three weeks ago, two months ago, ten years ago, here's what God said to me. I'm not going to lose hope. Write it down. How can you know if God is speaking and that you should be recording His words? And that's a fair question to ask. And I I can't make that the judgment for you, but here's what I do know, that when God does speak to us, um, first, He speaks to all of us differently. What he's going to say to Mark is going to look very different than what he says to me or to Chris or others. That God speaks to all of us differently, and that's okay. So don't look to others as how God is going to speak to you. The other thing, too, is that when God speaks to me, he usually also does, there's also usually confirmation. And it, it may be a little bit of time, but either Betsy will come up and say something that's like, hey, I was just thinking about that, or just, 
week later, someone else, or there's something happens, there's confirmation. The other thing, too, is that the message we receive from God will always reflect His character. Okay? They always reflect His character. So when someone says, hey, God is telling me to do this, or I think God is asking me to do that, and it's inconsistent with God's character, you can bank on it that's not from God. God will always be consistent with His Word. So listen, write, and then we wait. As I said before, wondering about God is really hard. Waiting is even harder. Will my child ever come back to Christ? Is God ever going to give me the marriage I want to have? Is God ever going to heal me or my loved one? Right before um, college graduation, um, uh, Betsy uh, got shingles. And uh, some of you already know this, but uh, part of the repercussions of that was it it damaged some of the nerve endings in in her head. And um, she struggled with migraines ever since then. And uh, for 36 years, we've been praying for God to heal her once and for all. Waiting is really hard. Habakkuk says to this in verse 3, he says, For the revelation awaits an appointed time. An appointed, a time. An appointed time. We don't know when, but there's a time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, though it linger, I wish those words weren't there. But they are. But though it linger, though it linger, though it linger, wait for it. Wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Waiting is so very difficult to do. It goes against every human impulse we have. Last week, uh, I ordered something online and... uh, It took them two days just to ship it. I was so put out. I'm I'm embarrassed to admit this. I actually sent it. You're going to the chat thing and how are we doing? I said, I'm bothered. And I actually sent a little thing about why this took so long for them to to ship it. That's not how it, it actually took. It was five days after I ordered, I actually received it. But I was really bothered by the fact that it took them two days just to get it out of their building. We're so conditioned to get things. Um, Amazon ships within one to two hours. And sometimes it says if you, you know, and it arrives the next day. So sometime within 24 hours, whatever I ordered shows up in my house. Some of the orders actually have same day service. Have you noticed this? If you order before 11 a.m. or whatever the time is, you can get this today by the end of the day. Holy smokes, that's crazy. But this is what we're conditioned. We're conditioned that this is normal, isn't it? Or this is the way things should be. But that is not the way life works out, unfortunately. God says, though it linger, wait for it. Though it linger, wait for it. 
When God has promised something, it will come to pass. But it will be at His timing, not ours. Isaiah 40, again, another a verse that's fairly common to, to most of us. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. So we want to listen, we want to write, we want to wait, and lastly, we want to believe. When God doesn't respond the way you thought He would, or in the time you thought He would, the human tendency is to doubt. We actually begin to question what we know to be true. Habakkuk says in verse 4, but the righteous will live by his faith. Our faith is not based on what we see or what we want or getting our desired outcome. Our faith is based on the character and the goodness and the nature of God. Our faith is not based upon the answer to our prayers. Our faith is based upon who God is, the nature and the character of God. Even though God hasn't answered, it lingers. I will continue to wait. Even though everything around me says to doubt, I choose to believe. Oswald Chambers has a great quote. Faith is deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways you may not understand at the time. I have uh, this idea that we're upset with God because we don't understand Him. Actually, um, and I don't mean this to be hurtful, but sometimes that's, an, that's a perspective that's very immature. And I say it this way. Here's why. The idea that me, a human being, could understand everything there is to know about God, the creator of the universe who exists outside of time and space, the idea that I am supposed to understand everything really doesn't make sense. It's not a reasonable expectation. I would expect that there's a lot of things I don't understand. That doesn't change who God is. It, 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 it limits my ability to understand, and I get that, and I don't always like that. And that's really hard sometimes. But in the midst of all that, God is still who He says He is. God's character hasn't changed. His nature hasn't changed. And in the midst of that, we've got to believe. We live by faith. As we were um, talking about this sermon in, the, in our planning meeting, because again, the, each of the campuses have the same outline. The outline that you have in your worship guide is the same one in all three campuses. The talk in between of it all is all very different between uh, Pastors Stan and Farrell and myself. But one of, uh, I, think, actually, I, know, I think it might have been uh, Pastor Stan, found this uh, a quote, um, and it's in, actually in your worship guide. Uh, Suppose it was by someone, they found this on a wall in a house um, that was uh, eventually raided by the Gestapo during World War II. Um, so the assumption is it was probably by, by, written by a Jewish person who was hiding in the house at one point in time. So understanding the context, these words have significance. I believe in the sun even when it isn't shining. I believe in love even when I am alone. I believe in God even when He is silent. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
I'm so thankful for your word. I'm thankful for Habakkuk and his um, honesty and just voicing his frustration, even his anger with God. And that didn't that didn't offend you. You were okay with that. And in fact, God, you didn't even acknowledge his emotion um, and as as it being good or bad. Father, we can be who we are. We can be true. We can be honest. And Father, in the midst of that, as we wrestle with the circumstances in our life and as we wrestle with you and trying to understand and trying to make sense out of nonsense, Father, in the midst of all that, we find you. And Lord, even as we've discovered here, sometimes the answer we get back is not what we're expecting. In fact, sometimes it's an answer we definitely don't want. But in those seasons, Lord God, we have to cling to this idea that you are still God. You still love us. You still care for us in ways that we can't even imagine. So, Father, my prayer this morning is for anyone who is here who might be really struggling with a circumstance in their life things just don't make sense at all. Father, I, I, my prayer is that they will be able to listen, to separate themselves from just the activities of life, to emotionally take a pause, to be able just to reflect and to listen and just to hear from you. Father, may they be able to write uh, in the sense of even writing their own thoughts and journaling their doubts and their fears and just letting it come out and Father, but then being able to write down what you might be speaking to their heart. Maybe it's a promise. Maybe it's a hope. Maybe it's something that can't, they can hang on to. <clears throat> and Father, for all of us, Lord God, and we have to wait. I just ask, Lord God, that we would have patience beyond uh, what we normally might bear. But Father, in the midst of our waiting, we find you. For Lord, I'm convinced that just as important as what we wait for is what we become while we wait. It's Lord, our desire is to become like Jesus. And so as you continue to shape us and mold us into his image, Father, may we not resist the shaping process, I pray. So, Lord, again, we just want to thank you for all these things. With every head bowed and eyes still closed, I just, I know I asked, I'm going to ask the same question I asked last week. But if there's someone here who is really struggling with something, and you say, I just like prayer, that, uh, and I just would really like to, I just need God to step in and do something here. I'm in a, I'm in the season of waiting. That's just really hard. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Okay, thank you. Father, you see those hands. You know the specifics of every need. Father, your grace to them is going to look different for each individual. But God, they desperately need your grace at this moment. They might not want your grace. They may want you to solve and remove the problem and the circumstance in the middle of all that, Lord God, while they wait, I just pray for this overwhelming, overwhelming sense of your presence and grace in their life, I pray. 
So, Father, again, we, we trust you. We don't understand. We don't have answers. But, God, in the middle of it, Lord God, we trust you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org. What do you do when life smacks you in the face and turns your world upside down? You want to believe in the goodness of God. But what you see with your eyes is so very, very different than what you want to believe in your heart. The two don't mix. We're we're in the week two of a three-week series on the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. And we've called it Hope in the Dark. Habakkuk's an Old Testament prophet, but he's not like the other Old Testament prophets. A lot of the other prophets in the Old Testament, they hear the word from the Lord, and then they tell it to the people. Thus saith the Lord. Here's what God says to you. Here's what God's going to do. And so the communication comes from God and goes to the people. Habakkuk doesn't do that. Habakkuk actually has reversed the order. He's actually, in essence, speaking on behalf of the people to God. It's a very different conversation. And he's speaking, in many ways, speaking to God on behalf of the people. He was a man who wanted so much to have faith, 
But nothing that he saw around him supported that faith. Everything around him was very different. And last week we looked at this idea of, of this question of wondering about God. Where are you, God? It just, you just don't even seem to be here. Do you even care? And we talked about this idea that when something happens, when life hits you in the face, so to speak, that, the, that we're not to turn away from God, but we're actually to press in to actually pursue. And the word we used was wrestle, that this wrestling with God is actually a very good thing. In fact, you can't faith... The very definition of faith is this idea that there's a potential and a perception and the existence of a little bit of doubt. You can't have one without the other. And so the fact that you struggle is actually a good thing, but in the middle of that, we're to press in and to, to not let go of God. So that was last week. Today we're going to look at this idea of waiting, waiting on God. Here's the hard fact. Wondering about God is hard. Waiting on God is even harder. I'm not good at waiting. Um, some, I, uh, here it is. I get impatient waiting for the microwave oven. I mean, think about that. Frozen to piping hot in two minutes. And it's not fast enough for me. I mean, think about that. You know, I don't have to go out and collect sticks and build a fire and, you know, try and start it and cook it. And I don't have, I literally pop it in, push a few buttons and wait for two minutes. And I'm like, why is this taking so long? Come on, hurry up. Don't even get me started on those drivers who insist on staying in the left lane. <clears throat> like, move over. Waiting is not is something I enjoy. I find it difficult. Here's the thing is that when we face seasons of adversity and pain, we want God to act. And we want Him to act soon, don't we? And now maybe it's not today, and okay, but by the end of the week, sure. Or maybe by the end of the month. Or, but we want Him to act soon. And, but sometimes the answers that we want and the relief that we so desperately need, they don't come soon. And I find that it's sometimes difficult to believe in God's goodness when He doesn't always do what we want Him to do. And that's what's going on with Habakkuk in the story. If you remember from last week, um, well, just let me reiterate from last week, Habakkuk, the Old Testament prophet, lived in the southern part of Israel. The northern region, at this point in time, Israel had split into two groups. The northern region had already been taken over by the Assyrians about a hundred years prior. So all that left was the smaller region of Israel in the south. And whereas the southern region had once been the most devout of the two regions, it was the more devout, it was, it was the one that followed God the most, but it was now a sick society. It had become morally corrupt, there was unethical behavior and practices and it became full of violence as well. And Habakkuk finds himself in a state of confusion and inner turmoil. Life is not going the way he thinks it should. The, thing, the fact that this stuff was going on around him was very troubling to him. God, if you are who he says you are, why is this stuff going on? If you are a good God, how could this stuff exist? To make matters worse, God just doesn't do anything about it. 
and he finds himself struggling with a lot of questions, which is what we looked at last week in chapter 1. He's really upset. And he, he lets God know this. He verbalizes his thoughts and feelings, which is okay. It's a good thing to be honest and genuine before God. But then to Habakkuk's horror, God says he is going to judge the evil people in the country. But his response wasn't what he expected. God's response was actually in, to judge the evil that's going on here. I'm going to send the Babylonians. But they're not just going to take out the evil people. They're going to take out everybody. God isn't just going to get rid of the evil in Israel. He's going to get rid of Israel. As a legal political entity, Israel ceased to exist for the next 2,500 years. Obviously, there was a group there. Remnants remained remained part of Rome, then for the next 2,500 years, it was always part of someone else's territory. It wasn't until 1948 that Israel became an entity again. That's not the answer Habakkuk wanted to hear. God, where are you? Why haven't you done anything? Why is this going on? God answers in a way that he's, this is not anything close to what I was wanting or needing to hear from you. So God responds with that provision. And then the focus in chapter 2 picks up and it goes back to Habakkuk. And uh, in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, if I could have that on the screen. So here's Habakkuk writing again. And he says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of an end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, he is puffed up, speaking of his enemies. His desires are not upright, but the righteous will live by his faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we continue to explore um, this time of Habakkuk and his words and his struggle, may his struggle bring help and hope for us today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I sensed the call to to pursue ministry uh, when I was in high school, and some of you may know that you know my, I was a pastor's kid. My dad was a pastor growing up. Uh, he pastored three different churches. My dad had this thing for going into churches that were dead or dying, and see turnaround happen, and then he got bored, and you know, and and just three different times while I was growing up, this happened. Um, my dad frequently said, Sam, if you can do anything else but be a pastor, do it. You know, so there was not this sense of, hey, you got to follow in my footsteps. There was significant encouragement to go a different path. Um, but, it, but, I, but I felt that strongly, so that was the path that I wanted to pursue. And in preparation to follow that call, I, I was part of different churches growing up, um, in fact, uh, I don't know if, you, if some of you remember the Assemblies of God denomination. Um, one of their formal, they referred to them as general superintendents. The head over the whole denomination was Tom Trask. I think that's two, 
the previous one, he was my pastor, you know, and so... So there were some significant leaders that I was under. I was part of some really vibrant churches that were growing and really seeing some things happening. You know, and I went out and I got my uh, undergrad degree, a bachelor's and a master's degree, all in preparation for ministry. Uh, I learned from some of the best leaders out there. I was ready to go. I was so ready to go. I was going to be Billy Graham and Oral Roberts and all those guys combined. I was going to change the world. But then something strange happened. As I was finishing up my master's program and I'm sending out applications, which back in the day, that's what you did. You actually had to mail them. Um, I'm interviewing and talking to churches and nothing was working out. Time after time after time, I always made the final cut. I'm one of three. I'm one of two. And it was always the other person that they went with. So at the ripe old age of 30, I find myself the unemployed father of three living in my grandmother's mobile home in rural Minnesota, way out in the middle of nowhere. And I couldn't figure out why. There's nothing I could point to. There's not, none, of, none of the feedback I was getting. I was saying, hey, here's your problem. Here's why. Here's, it, was like, nah, it was always very subjective. and all. It was just re- really difficult and so we waited, and we waited, and we waited, and days led into weeks, and weeks led into months, and months led into years. For three years, we waited. Now, I did temp jobs, and I did other things to pay the bills and the things, but, but not ministry. I wasn't not pursuing the calling which I felt God had given me. For three years, we waited for the next door to open up. As difficult and painful as that season was, and that probably was one of the most difficult seasons of our life together, uh, marriage-wise, personally, that was incredibly difficult. Probably of, of all my life, that was probably the most difficult season. But in the middle of that, I learned some things that I think are very significant, and they, they shaped my life, the rest of my life, um, as to how I look at things. And I think we see some of the same things here within the book of Habakkuk and some of the things that he talks about here in the verses we just read. So some of the things I saw in Habakkuk that I think are important for all of us when something like this happens, when life, the realities of life don't mesh with what we want to believe, what we want to have and hold in our faith. I think one of the things, the first thing we see in Habakkuk is this idea of listen. Listen. Too often when trouble hits, we're hurting, people do one of two things. Either run away from God. Well, if this is God, I don't want anything to do with Him. Or we tell God what we want Him to do. Now, I'm not, I don't mean the sense that we're really bossy or, or being, you know, thing. I'm just saying, God, heal Him. God, deliver Him. God, deliver me. We, we have a very specific prayer and a very specific thing that we want God to do. And so that's how we pray. But notice here that that's not what Habakkuk does. Habakkuk in verse 1 says, he says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts, which is the stronghold. It's the strongest fortified position of the, of the fort, of the city, of the gate. Um, it's, it's basically, he was saying, I'm going to settle in. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Habakkuk positions himself 
to hear from God, to see what God will do. Listening is really difficult. Sometimes when we're not getting the answers to our questions, it's because we're not willing to pause and wait long enough for God to reveal Himself. Because, again, we know what we want God to do. And so our human nature is to continue to press it. In fact, and I'm not saying it's wrong, because I think there's a lot of biblical evidence as well. It's this idea of praying with certainty, praying with faith. And, God, I'm believing you for this, and God, I'm believing you for that. And there's an appropriate time for that. I believe that. So I'm not suggesting that's wrong. I'm saying, have you actually, before you do that, have you actually taken time to listen? What is God, how is God wanting you to pray in this instance? Sometimes we jump into the living by faith and proclaiming faith and living with what we want to see God do before we actually take time to listen. Psalm 46.10, a verse most of us know, be still and know that I am God. Be still. I don't like that one. Be still, know God, and then listen. And listen to see what God might say to you. So what does God, how does God speak to us? What might He say to us? I think just reading the Bible. And let this, His Spirit bring truth to the life of the words that we read. We're reading Scripture and then something comes alive. It could be even stories we've read dozens of times before. We've heard this before. But something about this story, something about this verse at this moment speaks to me differently. And God can speak to us with that. Sometimes God speaks, through, speaks to us through our circumstances. But we have to pause and give time for reflection to think and to actually learn and discern what it is we're trying, we're supposed to learn from that circumstance. Sometimes God speaks through other people. I think I share with this story, um, I don't know if you hear um, about my mom. You know, we were really struggling with Peter um, we find out we we're expecting Peter, our youngest child. Not that that was a bad thing of itself, just the timing was all... We were not expecting this. And it was, it was a really bad season of life. Uh, and there was other circumstances that were really hard for us to deal with. And my mom, in a conversation with her, said, this must be one special baby for God to bring him into your life at this point in time. Huh. Nothing changed. Pete was still coming. But everything changed. Because my mom spoke words that just helped me see what God was wanting to say. Who speaks into your life? I have to, I have to say, sometimes I've talked to people and they're telling me about the advice they're getting from me. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. That is the dumbest thing. I don't say this, but I'm thinking this. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Sometimes the advice we get from people is really bad advice. So who do you have in your life that you can trust is going to speak health and going to speak healing and speak truth to you? Even if you don't want to hear it. But you know there's something of value there. But God can speak through other people. And I think God can speak directly to us. Uh, sometimes, for me, if, if I'm processing a lot of things, and sometimes I just need to get, I just need to settle down. I, I go for a bike ride. It's amazing as I'm riding, and I've, I've you know everything. I'm just just out there 
exercising and writing that all of a sudden my things start coming to my mind. It's like, ah, okay. And it just, I just, for me, I just, I just perceive that as just the Holy Spirit speaking to me because I've gotten everything out. I've got myself in a different setting and a situation, and I'm just free to hear without any other distractions and other things that might be going on. But we're talking about this. So here's how we can hear from God, this idea of listen. Sometimes, though, we listen and we don't hear anything. Has that ever happened to you? It happens to me a lot. I just want to say, it's okay. That's okay. Just because God seems to be silent doesn't mean that He's absent. Okay? Just because God is silent doesn't mean He's absent. And so you can still hold on to that. God is always present even when it doesn't feel like it. And then there's this thing that sometimes when, when we're waiting and listening and God does talk, that we don't like the response that He has. God tells Habakkuk the Babylonians are coming to clean house. That's not good news. I love the story of Paul in the New Testament. In 2 Corinthians 12, specifically, Paul is talking about, he refers to it as a thorn in the flesh. There's a lot of debate as to what that is, but there is some physical abnormality. He's he's having some physical struggle. And he says... Paul says this, he says, I asked the Lord to remove this on three different occasions. Three different times I asked God to remove this from me. And each time God said back to Paul, says, no, my grace is alone is sufficient for you. I don't know about you, but if I'm Paul, I'm thinking, uh, God, give Peter your grace. Heal me. You know what I mean? I honestly got grace is good, but let someone else have that experience. I'd much rather that you heal me. I want you to deliver me. I want you to remove this situation or circumstance from me. God, I don't I don't want your grace. I want your grace, but I don't want your grace. I want your action in this situation and what we sometimes have a hard time accepting is the fact that God says to us, is, I'm not going to give you what you want. But what I do have for you, I know it doesn't seem like it, but what I do have for you is even better. But we have to listen. We have to listen, we have to listen, we have to listen. So that's the first thing we see in Habakkuk. The second thing we see him is this idea of right. He wrote down certain things. In Habakkuk, the verse 2, Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. What's God saying here? We write it down on tablets so that a herald can run with it. A couple things as I'm thinking through this. One is that God is saying, What I'm about to say to you is not just for you. It's for other people. So capture it down. Capture it in writing, if you will. And he says, what I'm about to say to you is not just for here and now. Just like the milestones that we, uh, we talked about here earlier with the graduations and celebrating those, these tablets, this writing it down becomes a marker event in our life. And here's what I've discovered. Sometimes when key things like that happen, when there's something that God has either spoken to our heart or something we know, there's a, for something that um, we forget it. 
Or even worse, we tend to deny its significance later on. And the reason for that is because we have a spiritual enemy who is an expert at stealing the seeds of truth that God wants to plant in your life. There was uh, last night I was uh, I came across um, what, some of my international travel, some of the things we were doing and some of the groups we were with, and just some really <laughs> crazy things. I, I like to journal. I have to write. I don't do this normally. This is not something I normally do. But on these circumstances, I actually try to capture some things. And I was I came across these last night. And I was re, rereading some things about what. I was like, that's right. That's right. And that's right. And not just the incidents, but it's what God was saying to me then. What God. No one can take that away from me. Here's what I know. Sometimes when God might be speaking to my heart something or whether, whether I'm listening to someone talk or whether I'm reading something, but God has made something come alive in my heart, my spirit. It's not too much longer where the thoughts begin to enter. Oh, that's not God. That's just you. Uh, you're, that's just wishful thinking. You're, you're just, that's not really God. And that's that spiritual enemy we're talking about who's pulling up the seeds that God has planted. But when we can write it down, and it may just be a little note card that we tape to our bathroom mirror or something that just says, on this date, here's what God said. Here's the verse that came alive for me. So that when those doubts come later, we can say, no, 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 no. I understand what you're saying, but look it. Three weeks ago, two months ago, ten years ago, here's what God said to me. I'm not going to lose hope. Write it down. How can you know if God is speaking and that you should be recording His words? And that's a fair question to ask. And I, I can't make that dis, the judgment for you, but here's what I do know, that when God does speak to us, um, first, He speaks to all of us differently. What He's going to say to Mark is going to look very different than what He says to me or to Chris or others. That God speaks to all of us differently, and that's okay. So don't look to others as how God is going to speak to you. The other thing, too, is that when God speaks to me, He usually also does, there's also usually confirmation. And it, it may be a little bit of time, but either Betsy will come up and say something that's like, hey, I was just thinking about that, or just a week later, someone else, or there's something happens, there's confirmation. The other thing, too, is that the message we receive from God will always reflect His character. Okay? They always reflect His character. So when someone says, hey, God is telling me to do this, or I think God is asking me to do that, and it's inconsistent with God's character, you can bank on it that's not from God. God will always be consistent with His Word. <clears throat> so listen, write, and then we wait. As I said before, wondering about God is really hard. Waiting is even harder. Will my child ever come back to Christ? Is God ever going to give me the marriage I want to have? Is God ever going to heal me or my loved one? Right before um, college graduation, um, uh, Betsy uh, got shingles. And uh, some of you already know this, but uh, part of the repercussions of that was it, it damaged some of the nerve endings in, in her head. And 
um, and she struggled with migraines ever since then. And uh, for 36 years, we've been praying for God to heal her once and for all. Waiting is really hard. Habakkuk says to this in verse 3, he says, For the revelation awaits an appointed time. An appointed, a time, an appointed time. We don't know when, but there's a time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, though it linger, I wish those words weren't there. But they are. But though it linger, though it linger, though it linger, wait for it. Wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Waiting is so very difficult to do. It goes against every human impulse we have. Last week, uh, I ordered something online and... uh, It took them two days just to ship it. I was so put out. I'm I'm embarrassed to admit this. I actually sent it. You're going to the chat thing and how are we doing? I said, I'm bothered. And I actually sent a little thing about why this took so long for them to to ship it. That's not how it actually took. It was five days after I ordered, I actually received it. But I was really bothered by the fact that it took them two days just to get it out of their building. We're so conditioned to get things. Um, Amazon ships within one to two hours. And sometimes it says if you, you know, and it arrives the next day. So sometime within 24 hours, whatever I ordered shows up in my house. Some of the orders actually have same day service. Have you noticed this? If you order before 11 a.m. or whatever the time is, you can get this today by the end of the day. Holy smokes, that's crazy. But this is what we're conditioned. We're conditioned that this is normal, isn't it? Or this is the way things should be. But that is not the way life works out, unfortunately. God says, though it linger, wait for it. Though it linger, wait for it. When God has promised something, it will come to pass. But it will be at His timing, not ours. Isaiah 40, again, another verse that's fairly common to to most of us. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. So we want to listen, we want to write, we want to wait, and lastly, we want to believe. When God doesn't respond the way you thought He would, or in the time you thought He would, the human tendency is to doubt. We actually begin to question what we know to be true. Habakkuk says in verse 4, but the righteous will live by his faith. Our faith is not based on what we see or what we want or getting our desired outcome. Our faith is based on the character and the goodness and the nature of God. Our faith is not based upon the answer to our prayers. Our faith is based upon who God is, the nature and the character of God. Even though God hasn't answered, it lingers. 
I will continue to wait. Even though everything around me says to doubt, I choose to believe. Oswald Chambers has a great quote. Faith is deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways you may not understand at the time. I have uh, this idea that we're upset with God because we don't understand Him. Actually, um, and I don't mean this to be hurtful, but sometimes that's, an, that's a perspective that's very immature. And I say it this way, here's why. The idea that me, a human being, could understand everything there is to know about God, the creator of the universe who exists outside of time and space, the idea that I am supposed to understand everything really doesn't make sense. It's not a reasonable expectation. I would expect that there's a lot of things I don't understand. That doesn't change who God is. It, 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 it limits my ability to understand, and I get that, and I don't always like that. And that's really hard sometimes. But in the midst of all that, God is still who He says He is. God's character hasn't changed. His nature hasn't changed. And in the midst of that, we've got to believe. We live by faith. As we were... Um, <clears throat> talking about this sermon in in our planning meeting, because again, each of the campuses have the same outline. The outline that you have in your worship guide is the same one in all three campuses. The talk in between of it all is all very different. 